Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, what a wild card weekend we just had. A wild, wild card weekend. Or should I say a wild, super wild card weekend? Adam, how are you? I'm good. That's wonderful. Glad to hear. Let's run through these games very quickly. Very, very quickly. We'll do a little game review. We'll, we'll bring it back. Oh, no, my PTSD. Fuck. <laughs> Bills are really good. Bills are really good. Seahawks suck. Rams just got by by the skin of their teeth. Cleveland is... We'll get back to that, I'm sure. Uh, Tampa's Tampa. Not a surprise. Taylor Heineke looked good. You Taylor did. Heineke looked pretty good. Um, we need to have a real discussion about Derrick Henry. And we do have a question about Derrick Henry in today's mailbag. A little tease for what's happening today. We do have a question about Derrick Henry. Well, I mean, you held to 40 yards on the ground. And Mitch Trubisky sucks. Yeah, well, not, not for lack of trying. Not for lack of trying, yes. But otherwise, it was a very, very wonderful weekend to just sit around and watch football and have really, if you think about it, 20 hours of commercial-filled football. Yep. Also, it's, uh, it's great to see that Sean Payton actually got slimed. That was phenomenal. I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up. I feel like I was the only person on planet Earth. Are you about to be a buzzkill right now? Mm-hmm. That oh, was so ungodly miserable watching that coverage. I was not in control of the clicker. Because if I was, I would have gone to Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't for you, per se. I don't no, know. It was not. It was not. The target audience was not my kind. However... I would bet when the ratings do come out that Nickelodeon probably outdrew CBS. Just, well, just yeah. based off of the Twitter audience that was watching the game. Well, I think it was just a nice, you know, a nice break from the usual NFL game action. I don't know. Who did they get calling it on Nickelodeon? Who, who called the game? It was some guy, don't know his name. Some gal, don't know her name, and Nate Burleson. Well, okay then. Nate Burl Nate Burleson kind of kept the whole thing. Well, he's he's great. I mean, he's obviously he's a former player and everything. Yeah, he knows he knows what the hell's going on. Yep. Um but like again, I'm gonna be a buzzkill. I'm gonna take hate for this, but I, I mean when I'm watching a football game, I don't give a fuck what the player's favorite ice cream flavor is. I don't care. And I know it's not my target audience. I could turn it off. Yes, I understand. Or I can get up and leave the room and let the children in my life watch. Yes, understood. Understood completely. But watching a playoff game by yourself is not very fun. So you just kind of suck it up. You know who was on the play-by-play? Who? Noah Eagle. Son of Iron Eagle. It was Iron Son. Yeah. Well, Noah. Yeah. See, you know what was interesting is I was listening to him, and I said, 
my God, this sounds like Iron Eagle. And then you just said it and you put two and two together. It's like, oh, well, there you go. There's why. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I know. Noah, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't realize. But yeah, no, so Noah Eagle does Clippers games on the radio. Yes, I do know that. Yeah. So he, he's like, he sounds like Iron Eagle, but he's more, but more high-pitched. Like an octave higher than Iron Eagle. Yes. Yes, that's true. Maybe because his balls haven't dropped yet. Who knows? I don't know. But anyway, they do it's look, they look like the uncanny. Set in, the, in the world. That's my guy. Whatever. I mean, Ian yes. and Kevin Harland. Those are two national treasures. Let me tell you. Let's go. Protect it at all costs. This is, yes. this is actually a pretty great segue because I was working on Sunday. And I had, the pleasure, I had the pleasure of listening to the Kevin Harlan call of the Steelers-Browns game. And let me tell you, this man tried to embellish everything. And it was amazing. It all worked. Why am I not surprised? It all worked. Why? Why am I not shocked that Kevin Harlan tried to completely embellish everything and it managed to just come off so wonderfully done? It was like, it was almost like he was doing, he was like stepping on the toes of whoever the uh, color commentator was because he was just like in the middle of the play, like after it was over, he was like, he was saying his in-the-moment thoughts about what was going on. Kevin Harlan was talking to Kevin Harlan and only Kevin Harlan. Yeah, I'm calling both games. I'm calling both games. Oh, God, I love Kevin Harlan so much. National treasure. National treasure. Protect him at all costs. Yep. But anyway, so that, that game, that Steelers-Browns game, I don't know. Listen, the Browns are amazing, of course. They're very, they are lethal. Didn't even have their head coach, and they're still lethal. But how much is this that the Steelers are just putrid? I think Juju needs to shut his trap. I know. See, here's the worst part. Here, the worst part is in the post game. First question: Do you regret saying your what you said about the Browns? No, I don't regret what I said about the Browns. About the Browns being the Browns. You know, they just played a hell of a game. Come on, Juju. You don't yeah, regret it? Do you think, no. What do you think Juju's going to say? Oh, yeah, I completely regret it. It's like Dabo. Oh, Dabo, do you regret rank? Do you regret ranking Ohio State as your number 11 team in the country? No. No. I think – well, Dabo gave a better reason. Well, fair. Dabo is, yeah. also, a, Dabo is also a grown-ass man versus Juju, who is a petulant child. Yeah, well. Hey, hey, now, now he could become full-time TikTok star. But I would highly recommend Juju stay off of Twitter and TikTok for the next two weeks, minimum. Here's the thing, though. Sure. Do you expect – you can't expect this from somebody who's in a contract year. This is his walk year, and he's doing this bullshit. Well, you could talk about the antics all you want, but – Juju still had a really good year. If we're talking, if we're talking pure numbers, the guy was a hundred had a hundred receptions. Very quietly, may I add. Very, very quietly. I know I'm not the biggest Juju fan in the world, but credit where credit is due. Well, I mean, there were times where he just was non-existent. 
I think that that has been coloring my judgment of this season. Fair, but you could also say the same thing about the Steelers' offense in basically a nutshell, that this was an offense that didn't show up the second half of the year. Everybody, not just Juju, Connor, uh, Big Ben, Claypool, uh, Deontay Johnson to an extent. Well, James Conner literally couldn't show up for parts of the for parts of the year. True. So True. I wouldn't. But that is that is the James Conner. It's what you get. Yeah. Comes with the territory. Well, I think it was also that Big Ben's arm just fell apart as the season went on. Yeah. yeah and his, I mean, his, his arm is shot. There, there are like actual questions, more than usual. You know, after Jack, after the Jacksonville game, people thought like two years ago or three years ago. After that Jacksonville game, people were like, well, maybe, you know, maybe Ben should think about retiring. Now, at this point, it's like, I think it's probably like 60-40 that Ben's going to retire in favor of him retiring. No, I think, I think Big Ben's going to come back for at least one more year. Well, how effective is he going to be? Where Are you drafting Big Ben? That's, well, the, that's, a, that's the question. That, that's an entirely different discussion in terms of how good he will be. But in terms of will Big Ben come back for another year? Yeah, I think Big Ben will come back for another year. But the question of will he or will he not be effective is an entirely different conversation that we could have on another day. Because, yes, there is some genuine validity in that question as to is Big Ben trustworthy when it comes to fantasy and is he trustworthy just in a football sense be the guide to get the Steelers back to an AFC championship game to a Super Bowl. That's a legitimate question. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I guess it's kind of like the Tommy Tuberville, uh, Tuberville quote where the only way that you'll get me out of here is in a pine box. <laughs> you know, it's not too far off. Yeah. And then he went to coach Auburn about a month later, but anyway, a month after saying that quote, a month or two after saying that quote. True. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. So good luck for Cleveland. This is Cleveland's real test is going to Kansas City and uh, dueling with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid on a bye week also. Yeah. Yeah. That's – um. That's going to be a big-time, big-time, big-time test for, for Cleveland. Andy Reid's like Batman. If you give him time to prepare, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, but something, something also tells me that the Browns can beat, can beat the Chiefs. I don't think they will, but can they do it? Yeah, I think so. Well, they, they have the firepower to do it. I mean, you saw in the game. I mean, they, but yeah. I mean, the Steelers, it's – the Browns had the firepower. The Steelers had a depleted defense as well. But, I mean, the tackling was also terrible. I mean, you saw, was it Kareem Hunt's first touchdown? Where yeah. he just, like, dragged five guys with him. Yep. Uh, the Nick Chubb screen that went for 40 yards. Jarvis Landry's touchdown. Yep, Jarvis Landry's touchdown. Exactly. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fundamental mistakes that – the Steelers team in 
October, early parts of November just weren't making. No. And I can tell you, this de- the defense, do I dare say, you know, I said, you can pass on Pittsburgh. That's the one part of their their defense that where they struggle. You know, their their front their front seven, terrific. But you get into the secondary, that secondary can be had. And, you know, fair play to the Browns because they were able to do two things, which not many teams have been able to do this year. They were able to run on Pittsburgh, and by being able to run the ball, they were then able to, number two, use play action, get the ball downfield, take some opportunities, and make really good plays after the catch, a la the Jarvis Landry touchdown. Yep. No, exactly. All right, so let's get into this mailbag. I always, I'm always very excited with these. I love answering questions from our listeners. Yes, it is a fun time, and we have some very interesting questions, and we have some, 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 some serious yet thoughtful questions here. I have a bad feeling about this. Are they all going to be like, "What's your favorite color?" It, only one. Only one is going to be, "What's my favorite?" Color? I can already, t- I can just tell you what it is. The next one, next one's going to be, "What's your favorite ice cream flavor?" That's even easier than my favorite color. Mint chocolate What's chip. Your favorite ice cream flavor. It's mint chocolate chip. Good take. Cookie Good take. dough is a close second. Good take. Cookies and cream for me. I do like cookies and cream. Cookies and cream guy. Big That's cookies third. and cream guy. That's third. Definitely. But I'm also, I'm also not a big ice cream guy. Fun fact. I'm not a big dessert guy. Really? You don't like dessert? No. I, I shouldn't say I don't like dessert because that would be just wrong. I'm not like I don't go out of my way to have dessert if that makes sense. Like if I'm if I have room for it after dinner, then yes, I will have dessert. But if I know I'm full after dinner, I'm not going to make room in my stomach for a piece of uh, Junior's cheesecake. Cheesecake's delicious. It's one of the best things ever or or a cannoli or something like that. Yeah. Well, I can kind of I could feel that I don't usually I wait like, you know, you wait like a couple hours after dinner to have dessert anyway. So you're not just doing it immediately. Unless, unless you're at like a dinner party where it's, it's like almost immediate, but I can see where you're coming from. I think saying that you don't like dessert, maybe a bit too, maybe a bit too overblown. No, saying I don't like dessert is lying to myself because I do love dessert. Yeah. I do love dessert. That's kind of clickbaity. It's a clickbait thing that you just said. I could, I could have just stuck with it and could have put it as a great title. Bird doesn't like dessert. Asshole who doesn't like dessert. Soon to be former co-host of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy <laughs> Show doesn't like dessert. In memoriam. <laughs> anyway, so what is our first question? So, and th- th- I'm going to start with uh, with a serious one. This is the one that I alluded to at the top of the sh- of the program, and this is the conversation about Derrick Henry that I want to have. And the question is, in light of Derrick Henry's 40 yard outing versus the Baltimore Ravens, are you still sure that you would take Derrick Henry as a top five pick in PPR? In PPR, very important to point out. In PPR, I probably wouldn't take him in the top five. Because really, he, cause, just because it's the usage 
that we've been talking about for the past three years now, where you're giving a guy 25 carries a game, a running back whose body's going to break down eventually. The cliff is coming. You can see it. This is Thelma and Louise. You can see the cliff. It's right there. And it's, it's going to happen, whether it be this season or I mean, whether it be next season or the season after. It's going to happen. And also, Derrick Henry just doesn't give you a lot of upside as a receiver. He just doesn't. And I think if it's, you know, if it's uh, McCaffrey, Kamara, Barkley, and Devontae Adams as your top four, I think I would probably pick um, – there. I'm trying to think. I try. I probably pick like maybe Julio wherever he, if he ends up uh, somewhere or wherever he ha- ends up, or Dalvin Cook wherever he ends up. So you have Dalvin Cook right now over Derrick Henry. If he stays in Minnesota, I would have Dalvin Cook over Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook in Miami or Derrick Henry? Ooh. Well, I think actually. I might have I might have Dalvin Cook in Miami over Derrick Henry. Devontae Adams or Derrick Henry? I'd have Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill or Derrick Henry? I'd rather have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley? I'd rather have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry or Austin Eckler? That's tough. In PPR? PPR. Can you guarantee can you guarantee me that Austin Eckler plays 16 games? Sure. Then Austin Eckler. Really? You're higher on Austin Eckler than I am then. Because <laughs> every every name that I said, I would still take Derrick Henry over them. Every single one. Really? Um, you take Derrick Henry over Devontae Adams in PPR? Yes, I would. Yep. Yes, I would. Wow. Yes, I would. Because I think there's, there are a few guarantees. There are very few guarantees, actually, in just fantasy football in general. But there are a few guarantees with Derrick Henry. And one of those things is that this is a guy that pretty much is going to find the end zone any given week and yeah it was a down week it was more hyped up competition with the Ravens we all know the Ravens defense is top notch we all know that but you look at the division that he's in you know two matchups against the Colts is not necessarily great but he has two matchups every single year against Houston and then another two against Jacksonville so that's four games where you expect a boom from Derrick Henry and then whatever his outside schedule is after that you want a guy that's going to get you 25, 30 touches. That's going to be Derrick Henry. And, you know, he, it, and I think what yesterday was with Derrick Henry was it was a painful reminder that these kind of games happen with him. And I think that it was more of we saw what it can be week 17 when Derrick Henry went off, got the 2,000 yards, and – Everyone was like, oh, wow, this is, this is Derrick Henry. There are people talking about him after week 17 being number one overall pick. Right. But then yesterday was a reminder that these games do happen, that when the Titans do go behind, they're not going to be able to rely on Derrick Henry all the time. So they're going to have to start throwing the ball. They're going to have to start unlocking this offense a little bit. And I was shocked in, in a lot of ways that uh, Arthur Smith really didn't open this offense up more. Because I just saw that that last drive, it looked like Ryan Tannehill just did not look – I don't want to say he didn't look comfortable, but he didn't look confident 
Well, it tells, it, it tells me this, that the Titans need to bring back Corey Davis at all costs. That last drive showed it. Because he was I hoping. Wow. Well, I want him. I want him to go somewhere else. I don't. I do not want him in Tennessee. No. Well, I think that he. You saw Ryan Tannehill was looking for Corey Davis, but Corey Davis was on the sideline. That pick that he threw, I mean, Cleef Raymond fell, mm-hmm. but that would have been Corey. That's Davis. Corey Davis's spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I think it's a fair, very fair point. Um, but for me personally, I want Corey Davis out of Tennessee at all costs. Um, but. Uh, Derrick Henry, for me, he's still a top five pick in drafts, so I think pretty consensus. Um, I think it just really comes down to what your preference is in terms of safety, risk, reward, you know, all those kind of things. Because I think the most compelling argument that I've heard is Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry. And I think it's a guarantee that you're going to have Dalvin Cook out two, three, four games. So would you take 12 games of Dalvin Cook where he gives you the whole package? He gives you the touchdowns. He gives you the yards. He gives you the receptions. Or would you take 16 games of Derrick Henry where he's producing at the level, if not more, than Dalvin Cook who just gives you a little bit more based on your scoring format with the way you play? It's a very, very compelling argument. And uh, we'll have to have it if Dalvin Cook goes back to to Minnesota, or even if he's not in Minnesota, if he goes somewhere else, it'll be another really interesting, fascinating argument that we'll uh, we'll have to have. Well, here's the interesting the interesting thing about Dalvin Cook. You like you know he's going to be out. So when you have somebody like Alexander Madison back there, then you get like you, even if Dalvin Cook is out, you get three quarters of a Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. with Alexander Madison. Maybe Dalvin Cook's a system running back. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe if Dalvin Cook leaves, Alexander Madison's like a second-round pick. Oh, he will be. I don't, I don't know if he'll, he'll be a second-round pick, but third or fourth-round pick? Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Just because of the system that he's in. And, I mean, no matter how bad – like, that offensive line for Minnesota has been terrible. More, has been mediocre. Well, if you can guarantee me a guy in the third or fourth round that's going to get 20, 20, 25 touches a game – no, that's not a criticism. I'm saying it's been mediocre, but Dalvin Cook has been incredible. Well, right, but it's also understanding too that Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison is not Dalvin Cook. No, yeah, no, he's this, Alexander this, Madison. Right. That, thank you so much. They're they're You're two welcome. completely different kinds of runners. Can Madison be successful in that role if he's required to be? Sure, he totally can. Um, but would it be would it be something that I'm willing to go and invest in in the third or fourth round of a draft on hope? Really? I, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll have to see. Yeah. I, I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting to Derrick Henry just laying an egg in the playoffs because obviously he's a, he's a great running back. But like I'm saying, like we – like I said before, like we said like a year ago, well, almost a year ago in our bold, in our bold prediction show, we were talking about Der- Derrick Henry is going to fall off at some point. And we're all just waiting for when that's going to happen. 
And, you know, sometimes you just want it. You have to anticipate it. You can't just assume that everything's going to be hunky-dory for the, for the rest of Derrick Henry's career. Running backs like that, it, it's, it's a decline. The decline happens, and it's steep. Sure. With the usage that he gets, absolutely. I think it's a, a very fair and very honest point, Adam. Modern-day Steven Jackson, that Derrick Henry. <laughs> Are we looking for another, uh, another question? Yes. Okay. Uh, this is another very fascinating question. And this is, I can't believe we're talking about this January 11th, Monday, but here we are. When it comes to, and this is big air quotes on this, quote, okay. reaching for a player, when is it acceptable and when is it not acceptable? It is never acceptable to reach. No, I'm just kidding. I was about to say, I wholeheartedly disagree. I'm kidding, of course. I think it's acceptable to reach for need. If you let, let's say you decide that you go three, you go three wide receiver, you know, you go zero RB for the first two or three rounds, and you need a running back. And a lot of the good running backs are taken. I mean, at that point, I would reach for a running back because you don't have any. So if you're in a position of need, then there isn't too much shame in reaching. But I think if you're in a situation where you already have solid players at a position and you're just getting backups or maybe bi-week fill-ins or you know, rotational guys that you're not starting every single week, then you don't need to reach at that point, especially if there are players at another position that you might actually need that are there that are better objectively than the player that you're reaching for. Joe, I'm going to talk to you directly. Oh, my God. Because this is, this is who the question is from. I don't know who this per- person is, but I, I feel like they're kind of – they're like, oh, my God. Bird's well, neither, talking to me directly. Well, neither do I. So this, this, is, this is nice. Oh. Here's my whole thing with reaching. There is no such thing as a reach when it falls in the lines of you like the player and you want to take them. So, for example, if you are in a deep-ish sort of league, say it's a 12-team league, and you're on the clock in the second round after taking DeAndre Hopkins in the first round, or you're taking, no, nah, I wouldn't say DeAndre Hopkins. Say you took Zeke. Say you took Zeke in the first round. And you know, given how deep receiver is, you know you can wait until round three, round four, even round five to round out your receivers or get another running back at somewhere, some, whatever. And let's say you like a guy like a Antonio Gibson, for example. And you know Antonio Gibson really is, maybe according to the consensus, he's a, if, depending on what ranks you use, if you make your own, I always personally recommend making your own. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, but if you're taking it off of Fantasy Pros, taking it off of wherever, um, and the consensus says that he's a third-round pick, but you like him higher than that, you take him. You take him. I mean, nobody... People, some people may laugh at you for doing it, but at the end of the day, if you like a guy that much and you're saying to yourself, well, I'm going to be on the clock in 
20 some odd picks. And I really want Antonio Gibson. I don't think I'm going to get him in the third round. And you really want him there to round out your running backs. You do it. You well, do it. Yeah. And you tie the bow on it and say, you know, that that's that. And you start your draft with Zeke Gibson. And then, I mean, I was doing a little bit of research on, you know, just kind of looking at position by position uh, or just over the weekend uh, in preparation for this show. And I noticed just the level of receiver that you can get as, you know, your wide receiver 20 and your wide receiver 21s. And I'm telling you, it, it, it is a major, major difference in terms of your wide receiver 20 versus your RB 20. So if we're going based off of the fantasy pros consensus ranks, the wide receiver 20 in PPR. Christ, it's Cooper Cup. Is Cooper Cup, yes. For the running backs, Chris Carson is the running back 20. Cooper Cup is the wide receiver 20. Which guy would you rather have? Hmm. Two players that can't necessarily stay on the field. But I think I'd... It's not close. Who would you rather have? Cooper Cup. It's yeah, I would have not close. I th- I would rather have Cooper Cup because you can, I don't know about Seattle's running game at this point. Fair, even even if you go deeper than that, you want to go. Uh, they're running the the twenty third running back according to Fantasy Pros, Kenyon Drake, the twenty third wide receiver according to Fantasy Pros, Deontay Johnson. Who would you rather have, Deontay Johnson or Kenyon Drake? Deontay Johnson. There you go. So. It I'd rather really, have the – I mean, the twenty, the, tw- the running back 21, I think, is pretty solid. I'd rather have him over Chris Carson. That's Cam Akers. Well, that's a little low for Cam Akers for me, but that's besides the point. I, but, again, the whole, the whole stigma, I guess, when it comes to reaching and going for guys that are above their ADP or their – uh, pre-draft uh, expert consensus rank. I think it's ridiculous. You see a guy that you want that helps your team, you take them. You take them. You don't worry about what the experts are saying. Now, obviously, you know, there's a silver lining to all of this. You know, there's a difference between, you know, there, you being on the clock in the first round and you're picking at number five and Devontae Adams is there but you're a Detroit Lions fan and you want to take Kenny Galladay. That, 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 there's a silver lining to that, of course. Well, but, it's different than like your first ever fantasy draft where you took Tony Romo with the first overall. Yes, but that, that was a less, that was, that, that's a lesson learned. That's yeah. a lesson learned. And here I am you know, for all the new fantasy players that are listening to this podcast and they're trying to figure out you know, what their strategies are going to be. You know, here it is. Don't, don't go for your personal bias. Throw personal bias out the window. Yeah, Unless my first fantasy draft. You, are so- man, you won't draft the New Orleans Saint, which I will swear by. I am not drafting New Orleans Saint ever again. But that's besides the point. Yeah, my first fantasy draft, I took Aaron Rodgers fourth overall. So Aaron Rodgers is a great guy. Soft spot in my heart. Yeah. Well, and also, I'd never draft a player on the New England Patriots ever. You mean you would never draft Tom Brady? Also, Tom Brady. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
No, well, I wouldn't draft. I've never owned a player on the New England Patriots in my entire like couple of year fantasy football career. I'm trying to think if there's a team where I haven't owned a player. That's a that's an interesting. I think I've owned everybody from every team. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would if unless you're making a point about it, you won't even you don't even notice. Because the only the only few that I can think of where I'm like on the fence maybe was Jacksonville, but I know that's not true because I owned Allen Robinson for his 1400 yard year. I had him, and then Miami. I ha- I've had Miles Gaskin th- just this past year. Yeah, no, so I've I know done. that's I know that's not true. It's kind of weird because I've owned multiple. I think not multiple, multiple, but I've owned a couple of players on Miami Dolphins. Even this year, I do have one. Really, I do have one. Yes, and hmm, no, I I, I lied. I was gonna say the Bills. I was gonna say the Bills but I know that I've owned Fred Jackson. I know I have. Oh, Fred Jackson. I know for a 1,000% fact that I've had Fred Jackson, but in terms of uh, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, uh, Joshy Poo, Diggs, no, I, 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 have, I have not owned Josh Allen in fantasy yet. That's surprising. Very, I know. One last thing on the reaching thing. Sure. I kind of want to get this out because it's a funny thing. But, um, you know, if people are going to laugh at you for reaching, then you can just laugh at them when you win your fantasy title. <laughs> True. Win games. Because at this point, who cares? At that, if you like, if you're, if you really genuinely in your heart of hearts like that player, that shouldn't matter whatever, what anybody else says. Fair and valid point, Adam. Unless it's absolutely ridiculous. Fair and valid point, sir. Yep. Next question from Sean. Morning, fellas. Well, afternoon now. Morning, Sean. Who do you think wins the national championship tonight? Alabama, Ohio State. Oh, I wonder who you're going to pick. Alabama win, Alabama cover. Really? Mm-hmm. You're going to go against your own team? I did it on the Basement Talk podcast versus Clemson. I'm doing the same thing. I just don't want Alabama to win because I hate Nick Saban. How could you hate Nick Saban? A, he's best friends with Bill Belichick. B, not a problem. He coached the Dolphins. Not a problem. And C, he's probably in it. He's probably, from what I've heard, he's an asshole. He's an asshole that wins a lot. That's a friend of mine. D, he gave Adam Gaze his first shot in the, in the coaching sphere. That's a, that, that's the first fair gripe that you've had. He Adam Gaze was a grad assistant under Nick Saban at Michigan State. And it, I don't know if you've heard, but Adam Gaze could be going back to Alabama to be the offensive coordinator for Saban. And Adam Gaze also followed Saban to LSU. Yep, and he could be going back to Alabama. Yep, because of Sarkeesian going to uh, going to Texas. Yeah, Alabama. Alabama win, Alabama cover. I think, I mean, listen, Justin Fields said that he's fine and that he's good to go for, for tonight's game. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think Ohio State wins. 
if there was any question about Justin Fields' health after that vicious hit he took in the Clemson game, although, I mean, he threw for five touchdowns or whatever after that, so I don't know how much it really affected him. But if there was any lingering questions about his injury, then I would say that Alabama wins. But I think that Ohio State wins in a really close one. What's the point spread? Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Um, hmm. I think, I think uh, Ohio State or Alabama covers or whatever. You would say Ohio State covers if it's close. Ohio, yeah, Ohio State covers. I think it's a close game. Yeah, Ohio, so you would take Ohio State plus eight and a half. I would take Alabama, Alabama in the points. See, no matter how much I look up and read and research about how point spreads work, I still, still confuses me. It's the quick math. That's what it not is. a gambling man. Not a gambling no, man. I do. No, I do not. I, I could see that. Yeah. It's okay. Everyone, everyone one, now and again has to place a uh, nice wager. It's okay. Over-under is easy. I mean, yeah, over-under is easy because it's just the total number of points scored. So that's, that's Oh, I, I loathe, loathe over-unders with every fiber of my being. Well, yeah, because it's so, like, you don't know how a game's going to go. And it's, it's different in college football because teams run up the score all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but if, if – if this is going to be, there are only a few ways this game is going to go. Ohio State will win a won't win in a blowout, I don't think. I also said that against Clemson, and look how that turned out. It's either going to be Ohio State win by a little, Alabama win by a little, or Alabama win by a lot. I don't know. Well, the thing is, people didn't see the Alabama Clemson game for 2019 happening. Fair. That's also a fair point. That's also a very, 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 very fair point. Uh, Sean, go box. Oh, yep. but thank you, thank you very much. Um, all right, uh, Lee says, "Guy that nobody is talking about is Joe Burrow. Despite the injury and the unknown about when he will be returning to the field next season, do you think that he will be available at a?" value and or would you be willing to take him despite the injury fascinating question as a a three-part question basically he is a guy that nobody is talking about right now joe burrow well at this point people are just treating it like the Bengals don't have a franchise quarterback anymore fair fair but i think that you know, I think that Joe Burrow is probably going to be available at a value because people don't know, A, when he's coming back, or B, what he's going to be like after the injury. And I'm trying to think what fantasy was like a couple of years ago when like, you had a situation with Carson Wentz coming back from his knee issue, or even when Adrian Peterson came back from his uh, knee issue that happened uh, later in the season. So I don't I, – I do think that Joe Burrow is going to be available in the later rounds because even when he was healthy, he was kind of like – he had a, he showed flashes, but he, it wasn't all good necessarily. But, he's a, but he was a rookie at that point. I think if you're taking Joe Burrow, 
you're taking him later, you have to have a good backup option, a good, like a, just a good secondary option. Because in the sense, in the case that Joe Burrow does not start in week one, which looks pretty likely at this point, at this time of recording, you need to have somebody that, can act, that you can actually put in your lineup. I think it depends on a couple things. One, if you have an IR spot in your league. Two, if it's a keeper or if it's a redraft. Three, where, what would you consider a value? Because if you're talking double-digit rounds, there's a possibility that someone would take Burrow. There's a possibility. Now, it really also depends on over who. You know, who are we talking about? Would you take Burrow in, let's say, 13 games? Say he comes back in week three. Who knows? Burrow in 13 games to Herbert. Would you take I, Burrow or – I'd rather take Herbert. Or would you take Burrow or, or Tannehill? See, this is interesting because I'm actually looking at the Fantasy Pro rankings for 2021, and the Justin Her- or uh, Joe Burrow is at 11 right now. And the players around him are from 9 to 11 or 9 to 12 are Justin Herbert at 9, Tom Brady at 10, Joe Burrow at 11, Tannehill at 12, and then Matt Ryan at 13. That's about where I think I would have him if I know he's going to be available week one. And there are no issues with the knee. I would have him as a top 12 option. I don't think I would have him as a top 10-ish guy. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have him over Herbert. I don't know if I would have him over Brady quite yet. If Matt Ryan, if you can tell me Matt Ryan's going to be in Atlanta with Julio and, and Ridley with a new head coach that's offensive-minded somewhat, I think I would have Ryan in that conversation as well. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one because I don't think Burrow is going to be in a spot where he's going to be of value. I mean, because I think if, if you're in drafts in August and there are some still question marks about Joe Burrow, then yes, you know, you could, you could see a pathway towards Joe, towards Joe Burrow being a value, of course. But if it comes out when you're doing your draft or before you do your draft, that Joe Burrow is going to be on the pup and he'll be out four to six weeks, depending on what the pup is going to look like or IR or whatever, then it's very plausible to see Joe Burrow just go undrafted. Now, in keeper leagues, of course, the further Joe Burrow falls, the more appealing he gets, of course. But in redraft, that's where you have to start asking yourself the question of, do I want to take the chance on a guy that may only play? 10-ish games or may play 13-ish games or may play 5-ish games. Well, here's the thing also. You could pick Joe Burrow where you want to pick Joe Burrow, but if you go further down this tier or this list, you can have players like Jalen Hurts who showed promise last year, players like Baker Mayfield who his stock is probably going to be rising, Derek Carr as well. So there are options there. Teddy Bridgewater, 
I mean, you, you don't know what's going on with the Philip Rivers situation, but there, there are options there for you. And also, you have to see where people are going to rank these rookies. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Maybe you can get them as, as a backup option for, for Joe Burrow, as a, as a fill-in. So I don't know, but I still don't think you're going to get Joe Burrow at a value per se in like double digit rounds. But I think you could still pick him kind of early, relatively like eight or nine and still find a good option at the end of draft at the end of your draft for players that are ranked lower, especially if you're in a 10 team league or something like that, or you're a 12 team league. There, there are different ways to do it. If you really, really, really want Joe Burrow, you can, there are ways that you can make it work. I agree with you. There are plenty of ways that it could possibly happen for sure. Um, next question. And I think this is going to be the last one just because we are running on time. So this is actually not a fantasy question. This is actually a football question. And this is not the kind of football that maybe you're tuning in for. So did Ryan ask this question? No, this is not from Ryan. Okay. This is from Mike. Okay. It says, guys, Bird, up the Arsenal, fuck Spurs. Good man, Mike. Adam, fuck City, but fuck United. All right. Well, half of that is fine. I would say it evens out for you. If there is one player in world football that you could sign for Man City or Arsenal that would help the team that you have currently, who would it be and why? That would help the team I have currently? Yes. Oh, oh fuck. So that would improve an area of your team that needs improvement. You know... I, I almost want to just pick the, the really easy answer. The really, really, really easy answer. You can. And it's Lionel Messi. We have, Is that an area you need to improve, though? I mean, you have five million right-wingers. We can play him as a, as a center forward, false nine. And take out Aguero? Aguero's inconsistent, injured. We're assuming that everybody is healthy in this exercise. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. That so everyone is fully mind. fit. So then never mind. Everyone is fully fit. My, my answer is easy. Okay. Who's your answer? Virgil van Dyke. No, no questions asked. Oh, that would be nice. Virgil imagine, van Dyke. Can you imagine Virgil van Dyke and Ruben Diaz in the same team? No, I don't want to say it. It would make you, uh, you Man City supporters, even more unbearable. And you're already pretty unbearable. You're not, you're not as bad as a Tottenham supporter or, or as a Chelsea supporter, quite frankly. Well, at least we're not as bad as Man United supporters. True, true. Those are the worst. I think I'd rather have. There should have been a part two to this question. Rank, rank the unbearable supporters: Tottenham, Chelsea, United. <laughs> I think it's. United was that in reverse order because United has to be first. United supporters are the worst. Actually, I don't know about that. You know, I think Liverpool and United are one A and one B. Liverpool supporters are the worst because they're all so pretentious. 
they are very pretentious, yes. But I mean, I me personally, I don't have a problem with with Liverpool. I don't I don't have an issue with them. Their supporters suck, but as as like a as a footballing institution, I have no problem. See, here's with, the worst the worst thing about Liverpool, Liverpool is that they're all so is that Jurgen Klopp is like such a nice guy, and like a lot of their players are nice people. Lovely bloke, but especially but he's kind of a, a crybaby at times. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. If it were up to me, who I would rank in terms of the terrible, terrible fans, I would say one is Spurs, two is United, three is Chelsea. Because Spurs, they sniff success, and it's like they won the Champions League. Uh, United, it, they're going to die on their hill no matter what, and that's just kind of that. And Chelsea fans, when, when, when everything is great, they're all talk and everything is just wonderful and, and everything is all butterflies, unicorns, rainbows, lollipops. And when it's, when it's not going very well, uh, they cower and hide and you won't hear from them for a month. Yeah, that's true. All right, so I, can I revise my answer? Sure, you can revise your answer. Go ahead. Okay. I think I'd rather... Instead, not Lionel Messi, because I feel like obviously that that's obvious. And also, if Sergio Aguero was healthy, then Sergio Aguero was healthy. He's playing. Fair. He, so I rather have somebody like Jordi Alba. Hmm. Outside at the left, box. At left back. You do need a left back. More like inside the box. <laughs> you do need a left back. Either Jordi Alba or Andy Robertson. Interesting. I wouldn't take Marcelo though. He's uh, he's kind of passive at left back. I mean, you are forgetting the best left back in the Premier League. The best left back in the Premier League? Yes. Ben Chilwell? No. I'm kidding. Fuck Ben Chilwell. Kieran Tierney, of course. Joe Cancelo? Get the fuck out of here. Kieran Tierney is the best left back in the league. He's the best Scottish player of all time. Kenny Dalglish? Who needs him when you have Kieran Tierney? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Every, every club wishes they had a Kieran Tierney. What a guy. What a, what a player. Who did you, so who would you say you'd rather have? You, you'd sign? For uh, mine? Yeah, for your team? Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk, that's right. Easy. Yeah, that, that's, that is, that, that's, yeah. And this is an easy question because I've had this debate before in terms of who was the one player that I would sign for Arsenal for free if I could. And the answer is Virgil van Dijk. Well, because if you he ask me, the best, yeah. he's the best center back in the world, bar none. If you ask me this question in, 20, in January of 2020, I probably would tell you Virgil van Dijk also. Even with a torn ACL, but we're also assuming in this exercise that everyone is fully fit. No, 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 no. I mean for Man City, because Man City had a terrible. Oh, before before you went out and you signed uh, yes. Ruben Diaz, and okay, fair, fair. But at this, see, that's the thing is that there aren't like too many holes in Man City, but the holes that are there are gaping holes. Yeah. 
That's and really, that. it's more an injury thing. Yeah, the the depth is a bit of an issue. You don't have a lot up front with Noah Guerrero. Jesus is. I don't. I don't know what it is with Gabriel Jesus because he he should be good. He can't stay on the field. I think he is. I think he is, but I just don't think he's ready to bear. Yes, but I also don't think he's ready to bear just full responsibility of filling in Sergio Aguero's shoes. Um, How many players can? You know, on the on the right. Fair. On the right, I mean, Bernardo Silva and, and Riyad Mahrez are fine. They're fine. Yeah. And well, it's defense, kind of, yeah. defense is just like a smorgasbord that you just kind of piece together. The only consistent thing that you probably have in your defense right now is Kyle Walker. And even and then. Even then yeah. Well, it's kind of annoying that they, that we moved Sterling to the left into uh, into Leroy Sané's old spot. But yeah, that was his natural position, though. That's where Raheem played at Liverpool. Yeah. Only he was more of a left wing at Liverpool. He wasn't more of a a left midfielder that he's being asked to kind of do, you know, this kind of back and forth sort of thing that that Pep enjoys doing. Yeah, it's it's an interesting setup. I think I mean he seems to be more comfortable. I guess that's why Pep was pretty comfortable le- letting or selling uh, Sané to Bayern Munich because True. And, S- and Sané's done nothing for Bayern. Yeah, he's done absolutely nothing for Bayern. So I I have one more question, and this is very timely because of what Thursday night is to both of us. Okay. Uh, this come this comes from. Uh, who, who the hell does this come from? This comes from Sean. Same Sean? Different Sean. We had two Seans. Okay. We had two Seans. Are the Rangers making the playoffs this year? Yes, yes or no and why? I think this is this is very tough. Much like the division much much like the mass mutual eastern division. It's <laughs> this question is very tough. Um I think the Rangers are making the playoffs as the four, but they're going to be the last team in. Okay. Okay. Well, I think maybe the better question to ask then is if the Rangers get in, who's out? Who are you, who are you, who are you plausibly leaving out in this division? That is just so ridiculously stacked out of Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, the Flyers, the Islanders, the Devils, and the Sabres. I think we rule out the Devils. We can rule out the Sabres. So out of Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and the Islanders, there are two teams that you have to leave out. Who would you leave out? I would rule out Pittsburgh. Really? They're on the downswing. Even though they just traded like a bunch of picks for Kasperi Kapanen. I, I do. They also traded away their top goaltender in Matt Murray. Fair. They, I think they, they're on the downswing. They, they've just not been good in the past two postseasons. They've been kind of cruising along. You know, they kind of remind me of the Steelers. Funny enough. It's a Pittsburgh thing. It's a, a coasting on high end talent. I guess it is a Pittsburgh thing. And then, hmm, this is, see, the last team is tough. Philadelphia is good because it's an AV team and they're going to do well in the regular season. But I think that uh, 
Oh boy. I think I, but Philadelphia would be the team that I would leave out if the Rangers make the playoffs. Um, I do not have the Rangers making the playoffs. I think this is one more year of the Rangers rebuilding. I think that if they are able to get to the deadline and they're able to ship out someone like a Buchnevich for someone like a Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has been the subject of all sorts of rumors with the Rangers from the Blue Jackets, given that what he's a JD. What about the line? Well, it, it's a decision that has to be made because we need a center. We don't, need, we don't need any more wingers. I think we have every winger under the sun. Can Alexi play center? No, we do not want Alexi playing center. God, no. We could trade Booch for a top-end center and have a six of Artemi, Mika, Capo. Let's say it's Dubois or Eichel. Eichel. Alexi and Kreider. Eichel. You just gonna throw that name out there like it ain't no thing? I mean, listen, there's only so much losing that Jack Eichel's gonna want to do in Buffalo. Can you imagine Taylor Hall's like, oh god, I came here and uh, Jack Eichel just got traded? Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel is he is the wet dream for me as a Rangers fan. Yeah, but what about the one C of the future, Brett Howden? <laughs> Fuck off, Adam. Um. Yeah, I don't think the Rangers make the playoffs. I think there's one more year in terms of this rebuild before we are full go in terms of being a potential playoff team. Um, but the future is really bright. The future is really bright, and I want to see. I want to see the kids play. Uh, I want to see Keandre Miller play a whole lot. Maybe we get Vitaly Kravtsov back, and and maybe he'll come up and he'll play after he's done in the KHL. Uh, Niels Lundqvist, if he wants to play. Yeah, Vitaly Krasov is, is doing really, really well in, in the KHL right now. Um, but if I had to pick the four playoff teams from, uh, from the East Division, it, it would be the Capitals for sure, Boston for sure, even without Pasternak. Um, I would take Pittsburgh, and I would take the Islanders. Okay, so you're leaving Philadelphia out too. Yeah, I'm leaving Philadelphia out, but it's tough. Yep. That's tough. I, th- I think the Rangers sniff being the last seed in, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think they do enough to get over the line, but it's not, it's not a make-or-break kind of year for the Rangers. I think uh, David Quinn, I think that Jeff Gordon and uh, J.D. want – Quinn to be the guy. Well, Quinn has looked pretty solid in his two years as head coach. I would say, I would say solid, if not unspectacular. Yes. Yeah. There's just something, there's something about Quinn that I I don't, I I don't know. There's something, there's something about him. I don't like, but I don't know what it is. I think it's more of my borderline pretentious relationships when it comes to uh, managers slash coaches that I have of my, uh, my teams that I am, uh, have a love-hate relationship with. Join the club. Well, we'll listen to this at at one point of who of who I had. This is this was last year. Aaron Boone, awful. Want him launched to the sun. David Fisdale. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Una, Unai Emery. David Quinn. Jason Garrett. You know what? 
I take everything back. I'm so sorry. I want, I wanted every single one of them, one point or another, to be launched to the goddamn sun. Well, now we're I, making, now we're making progress. Three, three of those are gone. Love Mikel Arteta. That's a, that's a world class man. I think Handsome I might have in every way, shape, and form. I think I might have you beat. I think I might have you beat. All right, okay. he, Adam Gaze, David Fisdale. Terrible. Terrible. Mickey Calloway. Yikes. David Quinn. I mean, Pep Guardiola kind of, kind of saves the entire group. I was going to say, you, you, you like Pep. No, yeah, Pep, Pep's great. Pep just, I just don't like Pep in, in big games because he just overthinks things. And he, he, just would... gets a, he gets away from what, make, from what got the team there, and that's the problem. Hey, if you ever fire Pep, I would take him at the Emirates if uh, the Arteta thing doesn't work. Pep doesn't doesn't get sacked. He leaves on his own accord to go take a sabbatical in Manhattan for a year. True. Well, Pep Pep also wanted to manage Arsenal before he, before he went to uh, to City. He wanted to take over for uh, for Wenger, and he wanted he wanted to come in, and he wanted Thierry Henry as his number two. Well, that would have been interesting. That would have been that would have been such a fan play. I know that's like a, that's an appeal to the supporters. Like, hey, I know I'm not I know I'm not Arsene Wenger, but I, I I brought in Thierry. How many how many years before Thierry Henry gets the Fla- the Frank Lampard treatment and becomes manager of Arsenal? God no, God no. Thierry Henry Thierry Henry would be as a better manager than Frank Lampard every fucking day of the week and twice on Sunday. I'm just saying, you know the the le- the former legend becomes the manager. I'm not saying that they're going to be the same. See. But I think I think there's a difference though, because with Frank, there's kind of like there's there, there's a fine line that's drawn, because there's some people that will say, you know, there's Frank, there's John Terry, there's Petr Cech, there's Didier Drogba, you know, in terms of who the best player to have ever played for Chelsea is. That you could say whichever one you want. I think you have a very compelling case. But when it comes to Arsenal, there's one king. That's true. There's one king, and that's Thierry. He, he's a god. He is a god to Arsenal, Arsenal supporters. And if, if there was ever a fracture in the club like there was with end of Wenger and then the end of Emery, same sort of deal, you want to bring all that back together? You bring in Thierry. Well, I mean, that's why they brought back Arteta in the first place, right? I think I, I listen. I think he's done. He's done a really, really good job, and fair play to Pep Guardiola for uh, bringing back Arsenal Football Club from the uh, from the depths. When are we going to get like- of getting Mikel Arteta ready to go to save Arsenal? That's a king. Love Pep. Man, when are we going to get like Alan Oakes as um, manager of Man City or something like that? You'll get Sergio Aguero as manager Sir, of Man City with his with his bleached hair in twenty years. No, it's gonna be Vin, you know what? It's gonna be Vinny. Vinny's probably gonna be the oh, manager of Man City. Oh, that's a good shout. In a bit. Oh, that's a really good shout. Honestly, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even be mad. No, that's a very, very, very good shout. How the hell do we get talking about soccer again? I don't know. This always happens. Oh, always. you know why? You know why we talked about Yeah. You talked about how much how you don't like David Quinn for some reason, and you were oh, saying, and I couldn't figure out why why I didn't like him. 
And you were also saying that you had a terrible run of coaches at one point. Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. Okay. And then I said oh, – that was, that was a very uh, long, long drawn-out answer for, uh, for Sean in terms of <laughs> do we, we think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs this year. Do we need to recap? Let's recap. I think that the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. I do not think the Rangers are going to make the playoffs. I think that out of that East division, it's going to be Boston, Washington, the Rangers, and the Islanders. Well, actually, yeah, not in that order. I think it's going to – if you want to go seeding, it's Boston, Boston, Washington, Islanders, Rangers. For mine, it is Washington is the one, Boston is the two, Pittsburgh is the three, Islanders is the four. Although, actually, since Washington got Chara, maybe they leave, leapfrog Boston. That's, that, that's fascinating to me that they got, they got Chara. And, by the way, a little programming note for, for Sean and all the people now that are just loving this hockey talk. Um, we are doing a, a special Basement Talk podcast this week. There will be Jake on this podcast, I'm sure, for one half. And the other half, it'll be me. It'll be Andrew and it'll be Connor just breaking down the NHL season, just talking some puck for an hour. I was going to so. say, you wanted to, I was about to ask you, you want to just do these, uh, predict the rest of the divisions while I have these up? <laughs> Saving that for tomorrow. No, but that, we're recording that up that uh, the interview that I have with Andrew and Connor, I'm recording with them tomorrow and the Jake bit possibly we're doing tomorrow so then if that's the case we will have uh the full preview out in time for puck drop opening night on wednesday i'm very excited i can't wait to just melt in my couch for hours on end watching hockey we get eight games against the islanders the devils the penguins the flyers the capitals and the bruins eight games against each of them Give me the Islanders. Give me, give me them, please. Maybe, maybe the Rangers will actually get a rivalry going with Buffalo. The Jack Eichel Derby. The Jack Eichel Derby. Especially if he gets traded to the Rangers. Can you imagine? Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be so awesome. I love, dude. I love Jack Eichel. Can you imagine Jack Eichel on the second line with Panarin or Temi? <sighs> with Panarin and Kako. Oh. Or if you want to put him on the first in two years, maybe next year with – or to keep him on the second with Alexi. <laughs> Wait, you're going to overtake – you're going to put – you would put Eichel over Mika on the first line? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Captain Ryan. Mika? Yeah. Captain Mika? God, no. Poor Ryan Strom. Going to be stuck on the on the stuck as a third line center because he has two future Hall of Famers. He could be as, traded. He could be traded for Jack Eichel, I guess. For anybody, all we need all we need Strom to do is produce, so that we can ship him off for a first round pick. Yep. Thank you, Ryan, for your service. God, we fucking murdered that trade. The With Ryan Edmonton? Spooner, yeah, the Ryan Spooner Ryan Strom trade. We murdered yep. that trade. Yep. And Ryan Spooner we got in the Rick Nash trade. Which we also murdered. Yeah, it was, it was uh, Matt Bolesky, first-round pick, and Ryan Spooner. Yeah. For Rick Nash. And Spooner we flipped for Ryan Strom. Hey, 
I think we know who the better New York team is in dealing with Ryan Strom. And it's not the assholes that play in the mausoleum. It's not. Absolutely not. Fuck them. We got use out of Ryan Strom. True. True. They almost ruined him. Fuck, fuck them. Fuck the Islanders. Yeah. All right, that was fun. That was fun. You let- we will be, we'll be doing more mailbags in the future. You know, you love it when, even though we're the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, we could still delve into other sports and other topics because we are. This is what the offseason provides. Yes, we are just that much passionate about all this stuff. About so many topics. So many topics. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of not only this, the fantasy show, but also the Vanilla Basement Talk Podcast the Quizvitational, and the Basement Talk Podcast Debate. All of those are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. We will talk to you next time where we'll be doing more fantasy football analysis, pre, you know, talking about what's going on with the season, and we're hoping to, uh, to talk to you then. So for my co-host, Ed Birdsell, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Six years ago today, Monday, January 11th, was the day that Des Bryant, quote, dropped it in Green Bay. I leave you with these final words. It was a catch. I don't care what anybody says. Bye-bye.